Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Runners World podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. This week, we're talking with journalist, podcaster and author Amy Lane about her running journey. And at the time, I think I was struggling with some struggling with my mental health and not really realising it. And so I threw myself into the things that I was good at um, and posted it all over social media and pulled back from the stuff that I wasn't so good at, like running. Um, and then just got myself into a bit of a place where I just felt like I could never be a runner because there was all of these runners around me running all the time, really, really fast. And I was just like, I'm never going to be good enough. So I just shied away. Come on then, Rick. What did you do this weekend? I took part in the Crystal Palace Park Run on Saturday. Uh, wait, no, you've done that before, though. Oh, I've done the Crystal Palace Park Run before. Yeah. OK, great. How was it? <laughs> I thought you said it in a way that I suddenly was just like... He's never done this before. <laughs> I did make it sound quite a big event. Yeah, yeah, what? Well, I do think it's good because I think it might be London's best park run. Oh, which is a claim. Which is a claim. I get that. that I can sense the fury from all the other <laughs> London park runs building already. Let me make the case for it. Go for it. They change the route almost on a weekly basis. Oh, okay. That's good. That's cool, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I like that. The other local park runs for me, Brockwell and Dulwich, shout out. Both good park runs. Same route. Right. Week after week. <laughs> No, there's an case for both of these, obviously, because if you know the route, then you know it's PB chasing. PB chasing, that's true, but from a variety perspective. Got it. So they they, they mix it up. Um, it's a great park. It's quite hilly. Yeah. I think that's good in a park run. I know some people want, like, you know, just completely flat and PB, but I think actually from an interest perspective, yep. a few hills is good. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't think any other London park can claim this other one. Um, the route takes in some dinosaurs. Yes. Yeah. I was hoping you were going to say this. <laughs> I want a pterodactyl on my park run. Who doesn't? Exactly. Uh, no, it was nice. I actually um, met up with some of the other dads who I'd met through the NTT class. Right, nice. Um, and their respective partners. And we had a coffee afterwards. And it was sort of the classic, I think it was maybe a kind of classic park run morning. Um, another thing that's caught our eye, Ben, yeah. in a completely different subject, I guess, is this new shoe that's come out from Hoka. Oh, please. So, so it's called the 10-9, right? And, yeah. it's, and it's a shoe... And you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think it's a shoe that is designed specifically for running downhill. Yeah, because, you know, we're all constantly racing downhill. It looks mad, though, doesn't it? It looks bonkers. I, like, I'm like i I'm pretty all-accepting when it comes to running tech. I feel like there's a, like, a lot of stuff out there which mm. might already be a bit stupid, but I'm like, no, it serves a purpose. <laughs> these, these are really testing my levels of acceptance. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's that one... I know one race, or I don't know, I can't remember the name, but there's one purely downhill marathon. It's an innovate race as well, isn't there? That's there's like a that. downhill thing. Uh, yeah. But I feel like... It it feels it's, niche, isn't right. it? Right, OK, and it's all good. And I'm all, if, it's, if, that's your, if that's your running, if you're a downhill runner and that's what you want to do, they're quite expensive. Yeah. For, like, 
a shoe that its sole purpose eh? <laughs> so, oh, very good. watch out. Very good. Um, yeah, its sole purpose is just to go downhill because you wouldn't want to run. It doesn't look cable like the it's wider at the back mm. than it is at the forefoot. It's wider at the heel than yeah, it is. It's almost at the like a kind of tail on the yeah. back, isn't it? Almost. Um, I'm with you on this price thing, and I don't want to get too much into trainer price, but. They're 220 quid. Mm. Obviously, the, the vapor flies are, are, I think, 250 or in and around that. And it feels a bit like, to me, like the whole thing is creeping up and we're getting to a, to a point where all brands are going to have a premium shoe that, mm. that, is, that is 200 pounds or more. Oh, yeah. I think with something like the Vaporfly, like, yeah. I kind of get it. You're like, look, almost every world record now has been set in a pair of these. It's doing something that other shoes seemingly can't quite do at the minute. Yeah. So it's 250 quid. It's a load of money. It's not for everyone. They don't last that long. But... Do you mean that like it's 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 all out there? They seem to make a big difference. Yeah, yeah. I don't think the, if you bring something out that doesn't have that backing, that kind of that, like that, that kind of like people are wearing these to set records. I don't think making it over two hundred quid is is quite credible, really. Yeah, I and mean, even if they, they someone wears this shoe now and they break a downhill record by an extraordinary amount of yeah, time, right. I I mean that's less relevant. Uh, well, yeah, it's the relevance of it. Like if you're, if, it's not applicable. I mean, apart from you with your hilly Crystal Palace park run. <laughs> maybe, maybe I need to put them on. tear it down past the dinosaur. No, and the thing is, like, Hoka aren't alone in this. It's not like I'm slagging off No, Hoka, all brands have done some weird nonsense yeah. thing recently. Where you think, right, oh, no, now it's okay for shoes to cost more than 200 quid. And I think, yeah. actually, hang well, on. Well, I think, I think, I can't, I mean, this is going to be, so ASICS brought out Meta. The Meta Ride, wasn't it? Meta Ride, which was, that was definitely 200 plus. And that was probably a good two years ago now, the original yeah. one. So that was kind of like, probably that, 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 that saw us over that. Yeah. Through that barrier. Yeah. I think if you're going to go over 200 quid, you, your shoe needs to be absolutely exceptional and offer like some kind of technology like that, other, the next percent. that other shoes yeah, aren't yeah, doing. Yeah, like, not just be like, well, this is, you know, this is at the, our, our range's best shoe. Because then it's like it, running becomes less accessible, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Like, but then, you know, but then you've got people like Adidas have bought out the SL20. Yeah, 100 quid. 100 quid, lightweight shoe. I'm pretty sure you can run downhill in it. <laughs> uh, so, you know. There is, there is obviously still. Yeah, there's still value out there. There's still value out there, and you've got to be smart, and you know, and and not. But but uh, yeah, I think that shoe is worth mentioning because it it seems to have tipped the scales towards bonkers rather than. I heard it's it's called a a kind of jumping the shark moment, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, when when something goes a little bit too far. Anyway, Ben, I know you've been um, looking a little into this kind of uncertainty that's surrounding. some big races. Yes. So obviously lots of races have been called off due to coronavirus. We don't know what's happening with London yet. The official um, word is that, that it's going ahead and we obviously hope that's, uh, that's the case. Yeah, yeah, really hope. Fingers crossed that that's exactly what's happening. Um, but you asked a previous guest on the uh, podcast. I did. So I spoke to Dr. Uh, Victor Thompson, who came in to talk about the fe- fear of failure. Um, I, I dropped him a message and just sort of asked him about how people can stay positive and uh, focused on their training when there's a potential that race day may not happen. Mm. The full article you can you can read on runnersworld.com slash UK. Please go. Great website. Great. Fa- oh, my God. Fantastic. <laughs> but his advice is really good. It's, you know, to, to train and prepare for a race as usual with less pressure. It's kind mm. of how he, he, he sort of he, he, he puts it. You want to be able to um, enjoy the process um, still, but sort of modify training so that it's less geared 
for that race so there's less pressure and if the race goes ahead and you still want to do it then it's fine you need to focus on the different aspects of running okay so um a different speed focus a different set of hills more strength more drills and this will give you a sort of a mental break from yeah right um, the rigors of your specific training exactly you know you can go and try your park runs use the training that you've got to sort of like hit a few more personal goals that you've been aiming for in short when you can't control these things so as much Mm. as you want to when things change you must adjust yeah right and that's that's the sort of the great overarching message it's not um oh my god i shouldn't i'm you know this is all over now because of this one thing you know you've achieved so much take the positives of what you've done Mm. in your training so far i think it's a really good message because like it's easy to think all right if the race if a race doesn't happen Mm. then all this has been for naught and and actually that's really not true that the kind of the gains that you've made through marathon training Oh. Are, are true regardless of the day itself. If you took out the fact that you were doing a race and that was what you wanted to do and you just look back on where you've come to this day. Yeah. You've just done, you've just run, may, you may well have just run further than you've ever run in your life. Yeah. That in itself is phenomenal. Possibly fitter than you've ever been. You may have lost um, some weight if, if that was that was a, uh, a goal of yours. Yeah. You may be mentally happier. Yeah. You prove something to yourself. So, yeah, I think um, all that stuff remains true regardless of, of outcome, really. Mm. And we obviously really hope that everything goes ahead yeah, as, yeah. as planned Absolutely. and Absolutely. everyone can, can, can take part in the day because it will be a, it's a, great, it's a great day for running. But uh, yeah. you can't do anything about a world pandemic. Yeah, and we just have to see what happens on that yeah. front. I'll tell you what, should we get our guest of the week in? Yes, let's do it. Guest of the week. Amy Lane, welcome to the Runners World podcast. I am very excited to be here. Good, I'm glad. <laughs> well, I listen to you guys so much. So this is good. I've good start. Managed to blag my way on here somehow. What an opportunity! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we've worked together for many years. Yeah, five. Yeah, but running's quite new. I'm going to say that it was purely by. You Osmosis. In, you inspired. You've <laughs> that, been inspiring people, Ben. <laughs> We've been inspired. In the old, seeing us all in our shorts must have been enough for you to run a mile, and you did. And that was your. So, how did you get into running? <laughs> well, so do you know what's funny? You said that it, you inspired me to start, but actually, for a good three years, you actually put me off starting. This sounds more. This <laughs> sounds um, more like Ben. <laughs> <laughs> and it was nothing to do with your shorts. Um, so I found running because it's a bit of a long story. Bear with me. Okay. Um, but when I started my job about five years ago, I was really into all types of fitness. Um, I'm very fortunate as a digital editor of Women's Health that I could go and sample any workout, any gym, all of the new classes, all of the new trends. And I started just to really binge on fitness. Um, and at the time, I think I was struggling with some struggling with my mental health and not really realising it. And so I threw myself into the things that I was good at um, and posted it all over social media and pulled back from the stuff that I wasn't so good at, like running. Um, and then just got myself into a bit of a place where I just felt like I could never be a runner because there was all of these runners around me running all the time, really, really fast. And I was just like, I'm never going to be good enough. So I I just shied away um, because I just felt like everything in my life became a bit of a competition. Yeah. And actually, it took 
all of that fitness coming to a head, compounded by a lot of stress in other areas of my life. Um, So overtraining and all of this other stress. And I basically just had a really, really bad weekend where I had a really bad panic attack and I just had to stop all fitness. And I started then rebuilding myself back in the gym with a PT and got strong over 18 months in the gym and did loads of strength training. And then as I came out the back of that, I got offered a marathon place. And I was like, right, now's now's the time to do it. I feel mentally strong. I feel physically strong. Mm. And I got into running. And so running wasn't the thing. Like loads of people say that like running is the thing that saved them. Like for me, I don't think running was the thing that saved me. It just helped me put a lot of my life into perspective and then teach me a lot of things about myself. Mm. Well, you take on something that you're not, in your head, you're not good at. Mm. It takes a lot of like effort to sort of like switch on the mentality of being like, I'm going to give this a go. And that that in itself is a great sort of sudden, oh, realisation. I can put myself out there and try something that's a bit more challenging, so you say. And then you just sort of like reap the benefits, I oh, guess, afterwards yeah, of definitely. just sort of like yeah. the movement, the endorphins. How did you feel off the back of the, the strength training then and into the running? Was, was it an immediate, oh, I love running? Or was it like, no, this is going to take some time? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it took some time. Yeah. It took some time because it's so, well, you, I sucked. So I, su- I sucked in the beginning. So I was structurally really, really strong. And I was really fortunate to have worked with a PT called Luke Worthington for 18 months. And he basically ironed out all of my like imbalances and we strengthened my weaknesses and all that type of stuff. So as I started running, I was quite a, in quite a good place with my body and no injuries. And so physically, I was strong enough to run. But Mentally, I still probably wasn't quite there because I would just go out. And even in the beginning, five miles was like, and I was starting this marathon training, five miles hurt. Mm. And like even just getting myself into that routine of like getting up and eating breakfast before going out to do the five miles, but actually just sitting around waiting for your breakfast to digest. Mm. And I was like bloody hell <laughs> running takes a long time i'm doing it by myself it's really boring um but i was really fortunate because i was in a good place in my body mm. that i didn't get injured and so i just had to get over my own ego and just keep chipping away at it and that's how when i started seeing progress yeah. that's when i was like actually running is pretty fun like, and actually people aren't weird and they will talk to you. <laughs> was, that, was that a surprise? Because I think a lot of people have that kind of misconception about running that it's either like antisocial or not fun and it's something you do basically just to stay in shape. Yeah, I think like because I felt like a complete outsider, um, I think you either kind of, I like saw running as something that people did by themselves or that people did in groups and I didn't feel like, I was enough of a runner to become part of a group. Mm -hmm. So um, the thought of going to like a club or something terrified me, which is ridiculous because I'd walk into any fitness class in London and be the most confident person. But yeah, put me in a running group and I suddenly felt like an idiot. So I felt like I didn't know anything. Like people were talking about splits and like all of this kind of like terminology. And I was like, what the F is that? (laughs) Um, And then I got invited down to a track session and um, I went down and I ended up staying with that track club for a year during my marathon training. Right, what was the club? Uh, Track Life London. Okay, yep. 
Um, and I just realised that there was so many different types of runners. Like running isn't one person or one aesthetic. It's just a thing that you could like anyone can do. Mm. And there was obviously people that were super fast. But there was also people that weren't so fast. Yeah. And we just all just got on with what we had to do. And I think I think that really did change my enjoyment of running was finding that group and then interacting mm. and being part of that tribe. I think that it was quite interesting from the outside looking in because we often talk and write about strength and conditioning alongside all marathon training. Mm. And it's kind of like a, a drum that we have to beat quite regularly in terms of telling people to do more and more and more because it's going to help you in the long run. And then when I'm sitting around talking to Amy about it and she was like, oh, I'm going to start my marathon training and all this, I was just like, like this is this is kind of almost like the perfect example of like, I mean, 18 months is a long old time, but in kind of like in the reality of, of if you want to run 26 miles, it can take that long to get strong enough for it, sure. your body to cope with it. So it was really interesting, like Amy watching Amy and just sort of like, it was the most sort of perfect transition of just like not injured into <laughs> into the, like, and he just suddenly there going, it's proof. Now we just need to sort of like bottle this up and sell it. It's just like, <laughs> here is how you do 18 months of strength and conditioning and then you might, your marathon training will be better. Do you, do you think that any of the intimidation you felt around um, running is felt more by female runners than, than male runners? I think... Uh, yes, I do. Um, you've only got to look at the state of body confidence mm. in this country. Um, at Women's Health, we've done a lot of work on female body confidence and um, we've run two surveys now and only 6% of women actually like their bodies, right. um, which has come out of our research. And it, it's terrifying. And I think so with running, a lot of that transfers over and people look at the, maybe the visuals of certain runners mm. and they go... I'm not skinny enough, I'm never going to be that athletic, I'm not a runner. But if you go and run, even if you jog around a park, right, you're a runner. Mm. Yeah, that's what, we, so, that's what we try and tell people, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I do I do think we struggle more as women. Um, and it's, you know, we tell people, like, to tune into the feeling, but it's, it's much easier to tell people to do that than to, for people to actually do it. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, Women's Health have been a, a big champion of running. You guys had the run club as well. Mm. Do you think people get into running as an addition to their sort of their athletic wellness journey? And that's a sort of different step to us. The, the, the audience that we often talk to are runners first. runners first, whereas you guys tend to have the do some running as well this week and it can kind of like reap the benefits. How do you sort of convey the message to people that doing a bit of running is going gonna, is gonna to really help you? I think you have to help them make it suck less. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? Like when you mentioned earlier on with like strength tra strength training, anything you can do to make a run more enjoyable, I think is a way for running to become part of your lifestyle as opposed to just something which you do when you want to burn more calories. Yeah. Um, and I think the in the female space, maybe more than the male space for years running was positioned as like a weight loss activity mm. and the other benefits of running weren't particularly spoken about or maybe people just didn't embrace and get on board with as much um so it's always like you said it's always been an add-on yeah whereas actually running is technically free right all you need is your trainers mm. Your trainers, and if you're a woman, a sports bra and a pair of shorts or leggings and a top, mm. and off you go. And I just wish that more women felt that they could make it their kind of their fitness, 
their overall fitness just so it's so accessible. Like there's, I think it's something like there's 13 million women who would like to participate more in sport and physical activity in this country. But of these women, nearly half do no exercise at all. Right. So it's like we need to get them get them into it, but also we need to get them running, but we need to get them strength training and we need to help them find time in their week to do it. Because yeah. I think the other thing is like sometimes people don't realise that actually, like I didn't, I knew nothing about speed sessions until I started marathon training. Right. And I was like, that's still running. Like you don't have to go out and just do a five or a 10K. You can go and do 20 minutes on a hill mm. by your house and that's also running. So... I think we need to kind of get that across a bit more that running doesn't mean running the same route for 30 45 an hour every week for sure yeah there's more variety in it. it's interesting yeah. you're saying about people wanting to exercise but not doing it but i think um there was a park run uh teamed up with uh this girl cam yeah. on the weekend and one of the stats that came out was about 52 percent of all people who kind of go through the application process of park or register for park run are female mm. but only 44 percent of people who actually finish who have done a park on a female. So there are, there's still quite a large portion of, of um, female runners out there who who obviously want to do park run, but for whatever reason, never get round to actually getting on the start line and, and completing one. And I think possibly that's about feeling intimidated. Um, you also talked about uh, the, the mental health side of things with running. And I think that people that we've spoken to previously, that was kind of actually been the biggest takeaway, regardless of races and, and things that they've done. How has that helped you in terms of your balance and achieving a balanced sort of level playing field in life? I think for it for me, running was like I started to make positive gains. So, so much of my fitness before, and I have no shame in saying this because I'm quite transparent, was my fitness before was all to do with weight loss and was like keeping myself in an aesthetic shape, which I wanted. And so fitness came became like wrapped up in burning calories essentially Mm. um and i think i think that a lot of women will sympathize and understand that but then when i started running running became about like going further getting faster and suddenly i was doing something for the positive Mm. and i think that having that um that in my life really helped me change my relationship with myself which improved my mental health because suddenly I wasn't going into something negative every week I was going into something positive and I had something to celebrate mm. and I think that can really change your relationship with your body yeah definitely I think that that's uh, um we've had lots of people who've who've had uh, sort of long-term struggles with disordered eating yeah and um running has been that possibly the, the the switch that's allowed them to see f- food as a fuel rather than as a sort of a burden for sure yeah so they kind of their approach to running is actually if i want to run more because i love it i need to fuel myself yeah. so that changes that relationship with the food because it becomes a source of energy rather than like a dependence on like yeah feeling bad about yourself you can't go out and run 20 miles at the weekend hungry or you might get through it once but you yeah. can't it's you, not advisable no yeah. and you can't do it repeatedly yeah. so it's like if you're if it's important to you to make it to marathon day and enjoy that race and get through it then you're right you do have to fuel and i think you you know you start to res- you start to respect food as mm. energy and that type of thing so you've got your own podcast as well amy called well far yeah so how did that come into being and, and sort of who's it aimed at? So that came into, um, that got born a year after I'd done my first marathon. So I'd, I'd run two and I'd signed up f- for Paris. And so in my first marathon journey, um, I basically 
felt like a tit because (laughs) I'd been I'm a health editor like I supposedly am meant to know a lot about health and I started running and I knew nothing it felt like first day at school cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com quality sleep is essential for boosting energy recovery and well-being so take your sleep to the next level with sleep number with a sleep number smart bed you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number 1 in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 Smart Bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And um, like I said, I was a bit intimidated by running groups. So I felt like I was almost in this classroom. They were teaching me about running. I was too scared to put my hand up and ask questions. Didn't want to talk to anyone. And so I spent a lot of time with Google. Um, Even just things like I got my marathon plan and I had no idea what splits were. I had no idea what a stride was. And I was like, what the F is easy pace? Like... These are all very common <laughs> things, I think, that happen with people. And it's just like, I'm going to start running. Here I go. What is, what's a fart look? Yeah. What does that mean? I was like, and obviously in the beginning, I just couldn't stop laughing about the word fart look. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hilarious. Um, and so, yeah. And so I started Googling and I was asking you questions and all of this type of stuff. And, um, and I realised, God, there's so much to learn to make it not hurt so much and not suck. Um, And I realised that if I was feeling like this as a health editor with access to some brilliant experts in London, that there's going to be a lot of women out there that were feeling the same. And so um, the producer of the show, she set up a podcasting agency called Mags Creative and she followed me on Instagram and she'd seen my running journey. And she got in touch and said, have you thought of doing a podcast? And I was like... Well, I actually had another podcast at the time, but it wasn't very good. And I was like, <laughs> I actually have a podcast, but it sucks. Um, but I would want to do one about running. And so um, I pitched her the idea and we were like, right, let's give it a go. Yeah. And we were astounded by how quickly the audience grew. And so we went from it just being an idea to doing, I think, about 250,000 listens in the first season, which for... A, a running podcast yeah, it's great. Uh, was was really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just suddenly started getting all these women in my Instagram DMs going, oh my God, thank you so much. I'm also training. This is really helping me out. And 
it just has kind of snowballed from there. And so we're about to go into season three. And so the first season was very much around marathons because I was training for Paris. And then season two has just become a bit broader about running um, and the same with season three and we split it up so we have studio sessions where people can learn stuff and then I go on a run chat so I run with people and interview them um, and so yes yeah, been great. quite quite a journey so like education on the go education on the go yeah nice oh we'll have to come to you now well that's it yeah. <laughs> rest an expert yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> I think it's really interesting what you've done about um, I started to think about it's very easy, isn't it, to sort of live your life doing things that you know you're good at and to never venture outside your comfort zone. And even within running, I think we all have comfort zones to be like, look, I'm decent at like races up to 10K and I never do a marathon or whatever. Me. Yeah, and it's, yeah. And it's, and it's easy, isn't it? Yeah. Or, you might, or even the other way around are people who get really into the running very, very long distances but yeah. don't, don't want to do the kind of intense stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I think for longevity and, um, and just for sort of personal growth as well, actually going outside your comfort zone is really important for you has it like has it led you to um try and do that in other like non-exercise ways as well like have you tried to experiment more with like nutrition or food or anything like that i think no but definitely the confidence boost from like Mm. training for something for so long like i think in the beginning when i ran london i pegged all of my training around running london yeah and then i got to the end of it and i was like actually that race is only 26 miles and it's what you do for like the 12 or the 16 weeks before all of that commitment is such a major thing it's not just about that one Mm. race medal and so I was like actually for once in my life I've like committed to something for four months and that's amazing Mm. um and also following like quite a structured plan because I think up until you kind of do marathon training a lot of women or a lot of people that I know that have done it don't have much structure in their lives. Mm. You can go and do what you want at any point in the week if you don't have children or whatever. And yeah. then suddenly with marathon training, you've got to find this like dedication and commitment. Yeah. Um, so I would say that like marathon training has taught me that like you can go for a massive goal, have some like goals along the way, like chip it off to succeed mm. something. And yeah, it just... I like. I've never felt so good as when I finally crossed that finish line. Yeah, in London. what a feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Agree. Um, and now, Wellfar is, is is manifesting itself as a book. Yes, I can run. <laughs> and write. Yes, <laughs> it's it's good that I can actually run, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. So tell us, how did the book come about? So the book came about because um, the podcast was doing so well, um, and actually, it's been a bit of a like a snowball thing. So then. Um, an editor was listening to my podcast and was using my podcast to help her in running. Good. So we had a meeting about the book, um, and she was like, "I think, I think the world, I think the world needs this running book um, because it's not just a training manual. So it's like a lot of personal story okay. um, and bringing to life the journey of running. Um, you know, it's all of my moments of like when I was doing long runs, uh, like." getting rid of gels halfway around a run because I run past a donut shop and putting that in, <laughs> <laughs> putting that in my um, Much better. hydration pack instead. Um, and so it's all of that just like saying to women, do you know what? It's not just you. It's all of us on this journey as a beginner. Like this stuff happens and then a lot of expertise. And so it comes out on April the 16th. Nice. Great. Just in time for the London Marathon. Just in time yes. for the London Marathon. Yeah. Um, it's available for pre-order now on Amazon. Oh, 
Do that. Lovely. Click that. Obviously, I'll sign you guys a copy. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thanks so much. Um, but yeah, so you can you can pick one up. I hope that people laugh and I hope that people use it and just think, God, I'm not stupid. I just didn't know this. And like, it's got amazing experts in there. I think this is that is a real assumption that if you start running, you have to be immediately brilliant at it. Mm, yeah, we have to understand everything straight away yeah. because it's such the mo- it's like it's in, this inherent movement that we all, we we all have. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of built up to this degree of like to be a runner, you must. When in fact it is, you know, constantly making mistakes, still making loads oh, of mistakes sure. now, sure. and I don't, you know, and women have been knowing all about it. So I think it's I think it's great that there's a. There's a, a continued voice of, of just going like, don't worry about that bit. That's fine. fine. That doesn't mean that. Just leave it alone. <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's funny that you should say that because we just naturally run as children, but nobody at that point told us how to run. Yeah. Like, we just started running. Yeah, yeah, you do. And then, like, you might get a little bit of coaching in school, but I don't know about you guys, like, no. I never got taught about knee drive or activating my glutes or whatever. I don't think you're allowed to say that at school. Well, activate your glutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be on a register. <laughs> Amy, thanks so much for coming on the Runners World podcast. It was great to chat to you about running and, and your book and, and your running journey. I think it will resonate with lots of our, our listeners. Thank you. This is the Runners World podcast. So we had a nice letter come in, Ben. Oh, uh, good. Yeah, and actually it's from someone who's in uh, Ho Chi Minh in Vietnam. Wow. Yeah, well, look, check that out for reach. International. International. You mean that the, the internet goes everywhere? And <laughs> yeah. She said, hi all at uh, the RW podcast. So that includes me, yourself, and, and Dave, the sound man, of course. Yeah. Hi, hi Dave. Um, hi all at the RW podcast. Since discovering your podcast about a year ago, I have really enjoyed listening when I'm out on a long run. In fact, I would like um, a daily podcast. Logistically, that's going to be tricky, so we're going to just do weekly for now. Um, as I'm based in Ho Chi Minh City, most of my runs are by the highway and not too pretty, so listening to your guests and tips really keep me going. Well, that's great. Which is very nice. Yeah, yeah. And she also said, as it's International Women's Day today, um, I thought you might be interested to hear about an inspirational friend of mine. Uh, Naomi Skinner is running from Hanoi to Ho Chi Minh, which is 2,200 kilometres. Oh, my gosh. By herself to raise money and awareness for a range of charities, and she's almost finished and uh, has already met her fundraising target, she said, so... Well done to Naomi um, and anyone interested in that journey. Uh, she's got a Facebook page, which is Nam Runs Nam. 2,200 kilometres. Yeah. That's some journey. And it's, it's, it's really warm and humid in Vietnam yeah, as well. It is. So that's, wow. that's not easy miles. Well, what well a Naomi. And thanks for writing in, Sarah. So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. A big thanks to our guest, Amy Lane, and to you, of course, for listening. The Runner's World podcast was recorded at Number 8 Studios in Soho and is available on Acast, iTunes and all of your favourite podcast apps. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give us a review and remember to tune in next week. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in, hold on. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.